Previously on Snicktoons. I was joined once again by my oldest son, Maxton, to help me provide some live commentary for X-Men the Animated Series Season 4, Episode 7, Courage. Or was it Episode 6? <laughs> I think it was Season 4, Episode 6, Courage. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Like We got to sit down and, and watch this episode about Morph and how he's trying to rejoin the X-Men team and how he kind of freezes at first and his freezing up in, in the line of duty kind of leads to this ultimate thing where they have to go and find Xavier and he's finally able to kind of step up, step up and, and show that he, he's got courage and everything. Uh, but ultimately he does realize that although he, he did when it finally counted, when it mattered most, he was able to step up, wasn't quite ready to do that every single time. And so, you know, rightfully he steps away from the team. A uh, lot of like adult themes in that episode. And I really enjoyed watching that episode with my kid. Uh, mostly we just kind of giggled at some of the silly stuff that was going on, uh, especially with like Wolverine in there and, and all that, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, and before that, we, we talked about some of the things that he's been up to X-Men style. Uh, he had recently read the first few issues of the nineties X factor. Cause you know, when I like something, I push it on my kids as well. And I say, you will be fans of this or else. No, I'm just kidding. Um, he liked it, but not, not all that much. You know, it's not, uh, not quite up to his, his speed when it comes to nineties comics. He's more of a nineties Spider-Man guy. And uh, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the recent comics he's been reading as well, some some recent Venom stuff, and, and going back and and reading some other Spider-Man rather than than X comics. Uh, but we did uh, share a special top five, you know, our favorite cards from the Jim Lee set. That is the first X-Men trading card set that was put out by Impel in um, mid 1992. I always say 91. I always I don't know why. Um, I think because I started getting like X-Men toys in 1991, thanks to the, the line of, of toys that were inspired by the Kitty Pride or excuse me, the Pride of the X-Men uh, failed pilot. Uh, and so I kind of equate 1991 with like the first time I was really getting into like some X-Men stuff. And so I like have memories of getting the cards before I started watching the cartoon. So um, I think I equate that to 1991, but yeah, that, that those cards came out in, in like mid 92, maybe it was early 92. Either way, uh, 1992 <laughs> is when those cards came out. So yeah, we did a rundown of uh, each of our top fives and I think some of our picks will surprise you. So a lot of fun. And, uh, if you haven't checked out last week's Snicktoons, make sure you go do that, uh, before you, uh, stay tuned for today's episode in which I will be providing live commentary for season four episode. Yes, my episode is episode seven, uh, and that is Secrets Not Long Buried. So again, stay tuned as uh, I provide some long li live commentary for that episode. All right. So as you heard, uh, this is going to be another solo episode as I bridge the gap until 
Uh, a few more guests have come on. So the next handful of episodes should feature guests and we're covering lots of episodes as we've got a couple of two-parters coming up and we've got some some fun things scheduled. So as I, as I was working to get all of those scheduled and locked in, uh, I had to give myself at least a week. So uh, we are back with another solo episode. But the good news is we actually do have some things to talk about. Um, I know that uh, I've been clamoring for a release date for X-Men 97. And although we still do not have an official release date, which makes sense, I know that Marvel Studios right now is kind of scrambling as they uh, update their release schedule for some things. I know a lot of their MCU-related properties are being delayed. Uh, It looks like there's another month-long delay on uh, Secret Invasion, and it looks like Loki Season 2 has been moved back, and then a couple other of the live-action series or animated series that tie into the MCU, some of those seem to be up in the air, uh, possibly not even coming out this year, possibly being pushed until next year. Uh, But at this point, we still have, maybe not necessarily confirmation, but we still have uh, the belief that X-Men 97 is coming out this fall, uh, fall 2023. Um, At this point, there have not been any kind of official announcements that it's been delayed. Of course, we don't know when the actual release date is, so it's possible that like it had a release date of like August or September, and right now they're thinking, all right, we're pushing it back to November, uh, but none of that stuff has been announced yet. We're still tentatively fall of 2023. However, there was recently an event put together by, I believe it was Bounding Into Comics, that is was called um, X-Men 60 Uncanny Years. So for those of you that don't know, the X-Men number one, the first issue featuring the X-Men by, by Stan and Jack, that issue came out. It was cover dated September of 1963. So we are in the 60th anniversary year of X-Men. And so knowing that uh, Bounding Into Comics was able to put together a live virtual event, which I had no idea this was even going on. Like one of the one of the drawbacks of of being off social media, other than not having contact with uh, some some of my favorite people anymore. uh, I also lose out on some some X-Men news. So I had no idea that this live event was even going on, but it was like a, a live virtual event that had some comic book people uh, involved kind of talking about some of the upcoming things, you know, the, the Hickman era has, has ended, although the stories are still very much being told uh, within this new paradigm that he has helped usher in for X-Men. And so uh, some of the comic book people were on kind of talking about the future of X-Men, what kind of projects we can expect coming up in the future I don't know if it uh, if any of those projects were related to like any of the toys or, or video games. I don't know if they talked about the Wolverine video game that's upcoming or if any other announcements were made. Uh, but I do know that in addition to having several comic book people for the X-Men on this event, they also had Bo DeMaio or, or maybe it's pronounced Bo DeMaio. I'm unsure, uh, but either way. He is, I believe, the head writer, but also the showrunner for X-Men 97. And 
uh, throughout this panel through, I, I don't even know if that's what it was, but throughout this different event, he was asked different questions. And so he was able to provide some answers and he gave some insight into X-Men 97 and what we can expect as we come into this series. And, uh, I, I was, I, I was, uh, an article was shared with me by my good pal, Brett Scott, host of Marvel plus. So, uh, while you are in your Marvel MCU withdrawals, and, uh, as you are wishing that you had some new Marvel plus to listen to check out his Patreon. Cause I know that he's got a lot of content over there that provides some additional insight into some, uh, some additional MCU stuff as well as non MCU just Marvel comic book related kind of stuff. Uh, good stuff over there. And of course, you can always just go back and binge old episodes of perhaps your favorite uh, Disney Plus MCU series until we actually get Secret Invasion and uh, Loki season two and Ironheart, if that still makes it this year. And and what if season two, if that one also still makes it. But uh, what he had shared is an article from the direct that was kind of a summation of all the different stuff that Bo had discussed during this panel. So I'm not just going to read this article, uh, but I do want to talk about some of the things that Bo has said regarding this upcoming series. Like one of the things that he talked about was the world in which the X-Men now find themselves. So without getting into spoiler territory for this, you know, what, 29-year-old show uh, that came out in, in 1992, uh, X-Men 97 is supposed to take place like in the events, not necessarily immediately, but like pretty close to after the series ended. And the final episode of the series ends on like, it's it's a very hopeful turn, despite the like the dark forces that are at work in this episode the episode itself kind of ends on like this hopeful note and i don't like i said i don't want to do any spoilers in case there's anyone who's like listening to snicktoons and are listening to this show as they're making their way through (laughs) x-men the animated series for the first time although i don't know why you would be because it's not like i've done one episode per week i've taken weeks off in between episodes i've taken months off in between seasons Uh, so, uh, I've kind of been holding you back if you are watching it along with me in real time, but either way, uh, there is an attempt like an assassination attempt made on Xavier at the very end of this series. And Xavier is able to survive, but he has to go off into space. So it leaves the X-Men leaderless, um, not necessarily field leaderless. Obviously they still have Cyclops and Storm who are, are more than capable of stepping into Xavier's role as like overall leader and not just field leaders. Um, but we already know that like Magneto eventually kind of steps up and, and takes control of the team as he was asked by Xavier at the end of the series. Uh, but we know that the assassination attempt on Xavier's life actually has the opposite effect of, of what the uh, would be assassin had planned. Like, he or she was trying to destroy Xavier and therefore destroy his dream of peaceful human mutant coexistence. And despite that, the fact that it was this uh, failed attempt, it kind of ushers in an era of peace and understanding where finally humans are looking at mutants with sympathy. 
for the first time in a lot of the X-Men's lives. And uh, he he goes on to say that the X-Men will be living in a world where they're facing a a quote-unquote wave of increased sympathy towards mutants and understanding. Um, So we get that, and he goes on to say, and again, this is a direct quote, okay, we're going to be picking up about several months after Professor X left Earth after being shot by Henry Gyrick and had to return to the Shi'ar homeworld to be with Lalandra. And what ends up happening is that assassination attempt has led to this wave of increased sympathy towards mutants and understanding. So it's a really interesting take and it kind of makes sense. Like if you look back at real world history and when assassinations have occurred, whether they were failed attempts or successful attempts, oftentimes it seems to unite the people and unite the nation behind the said, you know, the, the, the targeted person, the victim's goals. Like it, it kind of brings in this wave of sympathy. And so I like that they are, are going that route with X-Men as well. He goes on to say that certain members of the team uh, start to, start to kind of step up. He, he, he goes on to say, Um, And things are, despite the friends of humanity still having their mullets and getting all up in it, things are really starting to look up for mutants. And this is going to kind of come to a head and leads our X-Men to say, what does our future hold for us? We weren't expecting this. And you're going to have Cyclops and Storm really wanting to carry on the dream. And they've recruited Morph and Bishop to actually become full-time members of the team. He goes on to say, other X-Men like Gene and the will-they-won't-they they couple Gambit and Rogue are starting to begin to question, maybe there is a life. We've been fighting for this life out of uh, this life of acceptance. Can we just go out there and enjoy it for once, maybe? And then, of course, somebody shows up who shouldn't show up, and it's Magneto, who's also kind of feeling like, you know, Professor X, he did a solid for mutant kind. I'm going to try to walk in his footsteps. I'm going to try to be a force of good for mutant kind. <laughs> so again, this is kind of, it's, it's a long quote, but it's definitely worth talking about. He continues, this is still Bo DeMeo here, but then of course, as the X-Men are kind of looking at the future and we're going to be talking a lot about this, how do you face the future? How do the X-Men do what they've been telling humanity to do for decades, which is embrace the future? So that, that sums up well, it doesn't sum up. I mean, those are that's his. Those are his quotes. That's what he says regarding the new status of of the world where the in which the X Men live. Right, like everything has changed. There's this new wave of of sympathy and understanding. Suddenly, the dream seems to be uh, attainable. And although Magneto is kind of stepping up to be a force for good for mutant kind, and despite the fact that Cyclops and Storm still want to keep the dream alive, it kind of seems like it's not as necessary as it used to be. And other members of the team that he that he specifically calls out, Jean Grey, Gambit, and Rogue, they're starting to question like, is is being X-Men really what they need to do? Can they can they actually go out and like enjoy the fruits of their labor and see that, you know, a lot has changed and that they can you know, go live lives in, in relative peace. 
of course, we also know that there's a little bit more involved. Um, again, Mr. Sinister, a.k.a. Nathaniel Essex, has still been shown as being one of the big bads. Of course, we know that there are going to be multiple villains in this first season uh, that is scheduled to be 10 episodes long. We do know that in addition to Mr. Sinister being you know, the, the big bad of this season, which I'm super excited about, we haven't had Sinister as a major villain since season two, and I think we only have brief appearances from him from here on out. Uh, so I'm super excited to get Sinister back. I really love that idea. Uh, but we, we're going to have other villains. Uh, Callisto is one, which is really interesting, right? Like Callisto is the leader of the Morlocks, the Morlocks who are perhaps the most ostracized members of the mutant community because of how they look. You know, they're scary. They're freaky looking. They're not normal. That's even more so than Beast. You know, Beast is a big blue fuzzy guy, but when he talks... He is very well spoken. He's very polite and kind, and he's his gen gentility. I don't think that's a word, but I'm going for it. His gentility comes through in his speech. So if anyone hears him talk, they're like, "All right, he's just a big gentle giant. Like we don't have to be afraid of this guy. We can actually like enjoy how cute and fuzzy he is." But the Morlocks, they're just they're scary. Um, so it, it it's interesting that like during this wave. Of, of understanding and, and possible peace. How do the Morlocks fit into that? And the fact that we have Callisto listed as one of the villains of the season, I imagine that at some point during the season, the Morlocks try to return to society maybe, and it doesn't go well. And it pushes Callisto even further down. Uh, perhaps the Morlocks specifically are called out by the Friends of Humanity because it's mentioned that they're still very much up in it. So maybe the friends of humanity are like, all right, well, if they won't let us kind of fight regular looking mutants, you know, maybe we can still try to turn, turn people against mutants by, you know, using these really scary looking ones or very different looking ones like as scapegoats. Um, so maybe that pushes Callisto back into like a villainous role. Uh, we also know that in addition to them, we are getting both the White Queen and Sebastian Shaw as villains in this season as well. And I feel like there was another villain or two uh, that was that was shown, but I'm I'm drawing a blank because it's been a while since I've seen the the promotional artwork from Comic Con. I want to say it was someone like Cortez, like uh, Fabian Cortez, maybe was shown to be. A possible villain, which could make sense, you know, if he feels betrayed by Magneto having taken up the role of like steward of Xavier's dream, uh, that someone like Cortez could feel betrayed by Magneto again or something like that. I, I, I feel like it was someone like that. Maybe it was him. Maybe it was Exodus. Someone. I, I can't remember. But yeah, like we have again, it's it's revealed that uh, Sinister is like, you know, the the big the big bad. Uh, so yeah, not really a whole lot of information has, you know, came out from that, but definitely information worth thinking about. There were a few other pieces to the article that I actually, it looks like maybe they updated the article because they're no longer there, uh, but they were speculating on like what X-Men 97 means for the future of the X-Men in the MCU. Like does, if we're getting a cartoon with the X-Men, are they going to wait until the cartoon has run its course before they actually start bringing live action X-Men. And of course 
knowing what the original plan was for the next three, you know, for all the way through the end of phase six, that there wasn't necessarily an X-Men movie that was in the slate outside of Deadpool three, which is arguably non X-Men anyway. Um, so, you know, there, there could be some, there could be some credence to that theory. Uh, one of the things that I saw that was part of the speculation, of course, is no longer in this article uh, was that it, it was confirmed that the plan for this series is to go four seasons, uh, that the series is planned as a four season show. Um, again, we we don't know how much of that is going to hold up. We don't know how well season one is going to do, but we already know it has been confirmed by Wolverine himself, Cal Dodd, that they're already that they they've finished f- uh, recording season one. And they're currently recording season two and that they might be done recording season two by say San Diego comic-con um, later this summer. So hopefully we'll, you know, the, that will be in the bag and we'll at least be getting two seasons of the show. Uh, hopefully it at least goes the full four. If that is in fact the case, um, I don't mind. Like I X-Men, the animated series I've said before is like the largest foundational piece of my X-Men fandom. And as much as I would love to see some live action X-Men again, I don't really mind. I've been sour, slowly souring on the MCU for years now. Um, I, I like, I saw most of, of phase three on like home video. I think I only saw maybe three of the phase three movies in theaters. Like I didn't even see infinity war in theaters. Um, I want to say that phase three, I saw Endgame and like homecoming. And I'm not sure what else, like, I don't remember what else was in. I don't remember where phase two ended and phase three began. Uh, but I think going back, I want to say that Dr. Strange was the last movie I saw in theaters other than homecoming and Endgame, and i haven't seen an mcu film in theaters since then and i don't know i've just like it's it's not really my thing anymore i've I, like i said i've kind of soured on it. not like i dislike it or actively dislike it i just i don't like it as much i don't get caught up in the hype anymore and most of the projects that have been announced from now until like secret war i'm like eh, like there's a couple of these that sound really interesting most of these to me are like, I'll catch them when I catch them. I don't even have Disney plus anymore. So I don't know how and when I'll be watching all of this stuff anyway. Uh, so it, it doesn't really matter to me when we get more live action X-Men, especially MCU formula X-Men. I, I can take it or leave it, but more seasons of an X-Men cartoon, especially one that is based on like my biggest piece of X-Men fandom, like Yes, I want that. It's I could watch it with my kids and I can enjoy it with my friends. It gives me something to podcast about, all this sort of stuff. So like I would happily take 10 years of X-Men cartoon, you know, one one season per year for like the next 10 years and have no MCU X-Men stuff at all. Like I would be totally fine with that if that's how they chose to play it. Uh, assuming this is going to be a good show. Other things that I know about Bo DeMaio or, or DeMaio, I believe that I, I read somewhere, I was like reading an article, I think it was when he was announced to be taking over the scripting for the new Blade movie, because if you recall, that movie was supposed to come out 
this upcoming November, November of 2023. And then it was pulled from the schedule and then it was delayed. And then there were some rumors and stuff coming out. Some of it was like pseudo confirmed, but not ever really like officially confirmed that there was some, um, not necessarily like animosity or even issues, but the problem was that like the script that they had, it was a very short script for a movie. And it, from what we can understand it, like it wasn't a very good script. It, it wasn't a very solid story. And the actor who is cast to play blade Mahershala Ali, who played Cottonmouth in season one of Luke Cage, one of my absolute favorite villains in all of the Netflix defender series, uh, he kind of expressed some some discontent with the script and with the direction that the movie was going. And then the person that was writing the script was, I don't know if like fired is the right word, but they were let go. They, they weren't brought back to like rework the script. And from what I understand, they hired this guy, Bo DeMeo, to take over. Uh, and one of the reasons why they chose him and why they like him so much is because when it comes to screenwriting when it comes to scripting he has a philosophy of staying as close to the source material as possible trying to be respectful of everything that came before Uh, it seems that he has backed up that comment by uh with other comments regarding his time on the witcher from what i understand he was part of the writer's room for season one of the witcher and kind of like Henry Cavill, it's reported that the reason why he left that production uh, is because he, he didn't like the, the liberties that were being taken with the story. He wanted to stay closer to the source material. And he's made statements like that before regarding X-Men, the animated series that he wants X-Men 97. Although he did say things like he wants it to be more modern and, and kind of focus on, on more modern ideas, which is fine. Uh, but he wants to stay true to the the heart and soul of that original series. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty hopeful for this series and I've liked all the stuff that we've heard and all the stuff that we've seen. Uh, so I was pretty excited reading that article. So again, big shout out to my pal Brett for forwarding that article over. And I was able to read that. And as you can see, we got like what, 20 minutes of, of talking about it. So yeah, just some big news. Still waiting for that release date. Like, I feel like until we have the, and until we know what the release date is, it's still not official, right? And of course, even when we have it, they can always delay stuff if they want. But I imagine that uh, producing an animated series is a lot more straightforward than producing a live action movie, especially a live action movie or TV show that are heavily CGI involved and have to fit into a larger story. There really are no constraints on X-Men 97 where they would have to delay it to flesh out the story more or tie it in a little bit better to something else. They don't have that constraint. And again, it's like once the artwork is done and and the animation is done, it's done. Um, It's not like with the CG where they're like, oh, we can keep going back. We can we can retweak this scene. We can animate it a little bit differently. Let's let's keep pushing it back to make it look just a little bit better it's a little bit different with 2d animation is, is, is all I'm saying. So I don't really foresee X-Men 97 as being one of like the MCU projects that gets delayed again because of stuff, other stuff that's going on. Cause it's not really part of that, nor is it that kind of production. So still until we have that release date, it just, it doesn't feel 
official to me quite yet, but there, there are other silver linings for this. Like ever since they announced this show last year, uh, I feel like it's a lot easier to find X-Men merchandise, especially stuff that is like licensed merchandise that uses the animated series character like we're finding t-shirts and stuff a lot of the t-shirts that you can find online at various retailers feature the the comic book line or not the comic the cartoon lineup you know uh we had like some statues come out recently that were based on the animated series we had the marvel legends animated series wave of like eight action figures uh one of my guesses as to why we didn't get magneto or apocalypse or Sabretooth as villains but we got sinister and mystique as villains is because both of them are supposed to feature fairly heavily into the first season of x-men 97 so they're starting to get us set up for sinister and all that I, either way it's we we're just starting to see like some good merchandise i mean we we started getting good good stuff ever since disney uh, purchased Fox and therefore like had the rights, the full rights to everything back. We, we already saw like them kind of going in a little bit more on X-Men, but I feel like the closer we get to the release of X-Men 97, we're starting to see even more stuff coming out. Uh, so that's another positive that's, that's coming from this. So yeah, just, uh, I'm pretty excited about uh, X-Men 97 and, and, and can't wait till, till that's coming out. All right, Bob. So for today's episode, we are covering season four, episode seven of X-Men, the animated series. This episode is called Secrets Not Long Buried. And this episode, uh, another one of our uh, out of order episodes, if, uh, if you're going by how it originally aired, this one actually originally aired February 17th, 1996. So way out of order. Uh, but this one was written by Mark Onspa, story edits from Eric Leewald, of course, and directed by Larry Houston. Uh, usually when I go about covering episodes of X-Men the Animated Series for this show, I generally watch them once or twice before we actually do the discussion or the commentary. Usually I w- I'll watch it once and then I'll watch it a second time and and take my notes and all that for the discussion, you know, make some notes about specific things I want to call out that I don't want to forget as I'm going through uh, the breakdowns with my various guests. Uh, Sometimes I'll make, uh, I'll watch the episodes and make notes, make sure to comment on something if I'm doing a live commentary, whether it's by myself or with a guest, uh, usually one of my sons. Uh, but this is one that I've actually, I, I've only watched this one once before I'm doing this live commentary. And even though I had it on in the room, no one seemed to care <laughs> in, in in my house. They were all just carrying on with their various conversations, doing other things as well. And so I actually missed a lot of the dialogue and a lot of what was going on. So as we're going through this episode now, for some commentary this is going to be pretty much fresh commentary this is an episode i don't really remember too well from my childhood i'm not sure if i even ever saw this i know i've seen it before because when all of these came out on dvd 
way back in like 2009, I think it was when they were first released in that five DVD set. Uh, I, I would have gotten it then and, and binged. I binged the whole series a, a few times. So I've seen this episode before, but again, it's one that I'm not super familiar with. I don't really remember too much. And of course, in my recent watch through, I, uh, I didn't get all of the information. So I'm, I'm almost going in blind. Like I know how overall the story is going to go, but I'm not really sure what is going on. Uh, so I'm looking forward to actually watching this and providing some relatively fresh commentary. We'll see if it holds up. Uh, I don't remember this episode being too exciting. Um, so I don't know, maybe that, maybe that will hinder, uh, the level of commentary you're going to get here, but we'll see. So once more, season four, episode seven, Secrets Not Long Buried, and we will be starting in three, two, one, go. Oh, so one cool thing I have to know about this opening sequence my daughter for her high school choir, um, they were invited to sing at a concert at Disneyland this past, uh, well, it was earlier this month. It was like first week of March, I think. Maybe it was the last week of February. I don't remember. <laughs> um, but she got to go to Disneyland with her high school choir and perform some songs and while she was there, she bought me a an X-Men t-shirt from like one of the Marvel gift shops. At, I think it was at the Avengers campus in, I think it's in California Adventure. Um, and it's it's like a black and white short, but it's like, it's a, the storyboard of this opening sequence. So that was really cool. And then it's like got X-Men embroidered on like the left breast right there. It's really cool. Um, I'll have to show a picture, throw a picture of it up in the discord because it's a it's a really cool shirt and i thought it was like the perfect gift it, it was awesome she had a really great time in, at disneyland by the way and her choir concert went went really well she got some video and sent it back to us so the wife and i were pretty choked up about it and all that it, it was pretty good so we're in the desert what appears to be the american southwest all right who is this guy Ooh. We get to see Cyclops in his original X-Men costume. What's going on here? I think uh, he's being introduced by some doctor who helps mutants. And these mutants seem to have crystal powers? I don't know. Hmm. Apparently, he's someone who uh, helped inform Xavier's dream. All right, so they're talking about a guy named Dr. Prescott, who's a friend of Xavier, and it turns out he has actually created like a community that is open. Uh, open to mutants and like almost for mutants it gives mutants a a place to be a place to live where where they can live in peace uh, away from persecution so it looks like he has some little crystal statue that he's taking to him and that's why he's flying out to this desert but uh this is, i don't know who this dog character is 
he called him watchdog i don't know some some like humanoid bulldog thing like shoots cyclops out of the sky uh and he crash lands here in the desert <laughs> okay so his ship's already on the ground and he ejects and because he's so low to the ground he's going too fast and it crashes oh that's terrible oh that uh that ejection seat looks like like a gi joe toy like someone's watching it. They're like FaceTiming Cyclops's crash. Ooh, little lizard guy. Oh, interesting. Okay, so Cyclops is in the desert now with his eyes open and he's not shooting optic blasts. Somehow he must have hit his head again and like turned his powers off. I love that they have all this technology, but the the phones in their X jets have cords. <laughs> all right, so I guess better safe than sorry. He throws on an extra pair of ruby quartz glasses, even though he's not shooting out of his eyes right now. Nice. Okay, so a random good Samaritan drives by in a Jeep, and Scott's able to hitch a ride. Okay. <laughs> okay so this guy picks up cyclops and then hands him a flask he's like have a drink stranger <laughs> skull mesa they're in a town called skull mesa never heard of it uh -oh, looks like the uh local yokels don't take too kindly to strangers around these parts All right, so Cyclops tells the guy he's used to being shunned, and now it's a flashback, and uh, they're, ooh, they're playing baseball. Love it. Okay. Cyclops in the outfield goes to catch a pop fly, and he accidentally like disintegrates it with his optic blasts, and so the meatheads that he's playing with are like going to attack him. That sucks. Poor Cyclops. Oh, interesting. Dr. Prescott. Okay. All right, so Dr. Prescott worked at the uh, orphanage where Cyclops lived. Interesting. I wonder if uh, Dr. Prescott is secretly Mr. Sinister in disguise. Well, I know the answer to that because I've at least watched this episode once, but that's definitely the thought that's going through my head as I see. Every time I see a kindly person in, like, in Scott's past, I'm like, that's sinister. That's sinister. All right. So turns out the guy that rescued him is an eye doctor who has, even though they were out in the desert, he had a, a coffee pot just brewing coffee. It seems like a fire hazard. Dr. 
<laughs> so for some reason, Scott is like, as soon as they get to this dude's house and he gets a coffee, he gets like super agitated. He's like raising his voice at this kindly doctor. And he's like, uh, where's Dr. Prescott? Why does everybody hate mutants? This doesn't make any sense. Ooh, that was definitely a Morlock. Oh, so he walks by a garage and like Tusk is in there. That's cool. All right, so a lady with green skin and hair. Cyclops clumsily flirts with her and tells her she's got a nice garden. She runs inside. Ooh, okay, so here's the bad guys. Something Braddock he introduced himself as. I doubt this is Brian or Jamie. And Toad. Nice. Toad is one of the lackeys here. Okay. I think this is the first time we've seen Toad. I know that we've seen the Brotherhood before, but it was like it was Mystique's Brotherhood, so it was like Blob and Pyro and Avalanche, and I can't remember if Destiny was in this or not. I, I I've been watching X Men Evolution with Landy, and Destiny's been in that a lot. This we're like on season three, and she's been in in it quite a bit. So maybe I'm I don't remember Destiny being in this series. Maybe she was. Oh no, that's right because. In the Apocalypse episodes, Mystique was posing as someone named Irene Adler, who is Destiny. It's Destiny's name, so I don't think she's. In this. I don't think we've seen Toad before, not even in like Magneto flashbacks or anything. So that's cool. So they've been talking an awful lot the whole time I was talking. They've been talking. There's been like hardly any action other than Cyclops blowing up that baseball and Cyclops's ship getting shot down. There's been like, it's all just been talking heads. It's like Bendis wrote this episode or something. So the, this, this dude Braddock, who's like wearing a superhero costume tells him that Prescott's not around anymore or something. I don't, I should see this is the problem with doing commentary is like, I'm not listening to what's, what's going on. Okay, so Cyclops took the other doctor guy's car, and it looks like he went to Dr. Prescott's house, and it's covered in this weird green goo. All right, so Scott goes back. He's yelling at the kindly doctor, and he's like, what are all the mutants afraid of? Who shot me down? And then, so the bad guy comes in and Toad goops him. And it's like the same goop at Dr. Prescott's house. So they take Cyclops into this cavern underground. And he turns the lights on. And there's Dr. Prescott, like, gooped to the wall unconscious. So apparently this guy is going to execute Cyclops to uh, teach a lesson to anyone who might disobey this dude. This is pretty hardcore. 
Oh no, forearm. Ooh, random. That's cool. All right. So apparently when they were living in this town, it turns out that Dr. Prescott was using the mutants to mine gold. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. That doesn't seem right. Um, but he takes Scott into the gold mine and forearm. My nemesis apparently is uh, one of the characters that was in there being used as like slave labor as well as Sunder of the Morlocks and Random. So that's cool. I think we've gotten Random before a few times. Uh, I think I mentioned in the episode that I did with Kurt Schmidt in the Sanctuary two parts, he was one of the mutants that like went to uh, Avalon seeking Sanctuary with Magneto. All right, so the Solar guy, a.k.a. Braddock, he came to town and, like, decided to enslave all the mutants. Only Braddock, no, <laughs> only Dr. Prescott stood up to him, and that's why he is gooped. And it looks like he had some, some people that were loyal to him, and that's why they were gooped as well. So the rest of the town is, like, living in fear of the Solar guy. It's not not quite, but I'm kind of getting, like, some Yojimbo vibes, which kind of makes sense since this is a Western and... If it was inspired by spaghetti westerns, which were in turn inspired by Kurosawa films, like, so I'm definitely kind of getting those vibes from this episode, which is pretty cool. Like, I like uh, a lot of those old Kurosawa samurai films as well as the Sergio Leone spaghetti westerns. So, like, I'm I'm digging the story, even if it is somewhat action lacking. So Cyclops went over to Tusk, who is, appears to be free and like is super strong and everything. Um, he's a, he's like a mutant who's like big and muscular. And then he's got like hide on his like neck and shoulder area. And then he's even got some spikes. Um, it looks like he's like an auto mechanic. And so Cyclops was like trying to round him up and be part of his posse. Now he's back at the green lady's house. He's trying to ask her to talk. And he's being followed around by uh, Solar's lackeys. There's like a cowboy guy who can walk through walls. And of course, toad as i mentioned that's really cool i like that they're they're they did toad as in his like original appearance costume he even looks like he did in the 60s so that's pretty cool like all the townsfolk are just like standing in their doors and then as soon as cyclops looks at him they just sh like slam their door and shut off the lights that's funny nice so they're they're goading scott to like fighting them and all that <laughs> now he's just like sitting in the desert all by himself lamenting the fact that he doesn't have his powers anymore um He's like, all oh, my life, I wanted to get rid of my powers, and now I don't have them. It's going to be the death of me. Ooh, I like this. They're doing like a like a showdown, like a, a shootout at the OK Corral. It's like sun up, you know, it's dawn, and Cyclops is walking down the street all by his lonesome. Love it. And then Solar is here to uh, to attack him. 
this is cool. I like this. Now they're going to take him to the center of town so that they can teach these townsfolk some obedience. This one cowboy guy's got like phasing powers. Boom. Right in the kisser. Clocked him one, knocked him out. So they've got him attached to a statue. Interesting, a statue of Solar in the middle of town. And he's... He summoned all these mutants. Ooh, wow. Like, we're getting all kinds of cameos here. He's telling him that Prescott is a thief and wants to steal their gold. Random. There's peepers again. All the various Morlocks that they keep using. There's that watchdog guy again. I don't even know who that is. I have no idea if that's like a real character. Now, of course, Solar doesn't seem familiar to me in any way, shape, or form. So I have no idea if that's like an original character just for this episode or if that's an actual X-Men guy. Like, I have no idea. Oh, no. Reaper and Strobe and Forearm of the Mutant Liberation Front. If you have been listening to my Talking GC series about X-Factor then you all know how I feel about those characters and how I feel about the MLF. Um, but it looks like it's enough. Like Cyclops gave somewhat of a speech here, like pretty much telling the mutants like, yeah, this ain't cool. Um, and Tusk like shoots a little guy out of his back and the little guy like jumps on Solar and Tusk has gone over and like ripped the toad goop off of him. Oh man. Okay. So the doctor that originally saved Cyclops comes over and he like heals him. He says that, uh, it was the watchdog. It was his effect on Scott. That is like what canceled out his powers. And so he just gave Scott his optic blasts back. Ooh, yes. Now random just clocked toad with a blast, uh, right as toad was about to throw like a ball of goo at Cyclops. And now it got all over toad's head. This is awesome. It's like a town uprising of all the mutants are finally standing up to Solar. Nice. Boom, take that. So Solar has powers to shoot like optic blasts out of his eyes. And now Cyclops is like, nah, mine are better. And that green lady who's a gardener, apparently she's got like poison ivy powers, man. She's able to like make plants grow and stuff. I always wondered why there wasn't a mutant that could do that. Like I know that we have nature girl now, but I think she talks to animals and that's it. And so the other doctor guy, um, he has awakened Dr. Prescott and Prescott's happy to see Scott and that everyone is uh, living happily ever after again. They don't have to be in fear of solar anymore. Nice. And he still has uh, 
Scott still had that little statue thing. And then Tusk knocked over the Braddock statue. And then apparently Daphne from, not Daphne, Velma from Scooby-Doo is in the crowd. <laughs> She's like got glasses, wearing like an orange sweater. Nice. Okay, well, that was not a very action-packed episode until the very end, uh, but I liked it. I liked the uh, the Western feel of it and the uh, samurai movie kind of feel to it. That was pretty cool. And it was all Cyclops, like an Xavier, but none of the other X-Men were in that, which is pretty cool because I feel like Cyclops hasn't really been in a whole lot so far this season. We're seven episodes in now and like he's not really been a big feature of this season yet like what he he wasn't in the sanctuary episodes um i don't recall him be he wasn't in the uh, omega red episode i don't think he was in any of the episodes that i covered well i mean he was in courage because the x all the x-men were in that but and he was sort of in Xavier remembers, but like not really fighting. So yeah, I guess he was in the juggernaut returns as well, but like he hasn't been in the spotlight for a long time. So that was cool. Um, I think the last time he was really in the forefront of things was, I guess the last episode that I did as a solo commentary, which was the uh, orphans end, which was like at the end of, of season three. So it's been, it's been a while since, since Cyclops was in the limelight. And of course I like that uh, as a true leader, we see that his, his ability to win and his ability to lead people doesn't just come from his mutant abilities. Uh, It comes from, from within himself. So even though he didn't have his mutant powers and even though he was like held being held captive, he was still able to like rally the townsfolk and use those leadership skills that he has. So that was cool. That was a good episode. And uh, I think that should do it for today's episode of Snicktoons. All right, bub. So there you have it. That is today's episode. Uh, I hope you liked it. I know that the solo episodes are usually fairly short and they're probably not as exciting, especially when they're coming in a month where you get five regular Wednesday release episodes as well that are all solo episodes. So you're probably tired of hearing my voice, Uh, but don't worry about that because next week we have a returning special guest, someone who hasn't been on since season one. So very excited to have him back on. And it is for a really great episode, a really meaningful episode. And uh, I think that ended up being a really a really good episode. I'm looking forward to you guys all hearing that next week. And then after that, we're going to do uh, a two-part episode as one. So we'll be covering both parts of uh, One Man's Worth. I've got a returning special guest for that. Should make for a great conversation. And then the week after that, I actually have a brand new guest, someone that I haven't had on the show yet. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to having him on as well. We're also going to be breaking down two really fantastic episodes of a two-part episode. Uh, so it should make for a really great conversation. It's someone that I've talked to on another podcast before, and I thought that we got along really well, and it was really easy to to have a conversation. So yeah, I'm really excited to welcome this guest on for the first time here pretty soon in the next few weeks. And then after that, I've got just you know a bunch of uh, returning special guests. So it should be a while before there's another 
solo Snicktoons. Um, and then there's one episode in particular this season that I'm looking to do something new, something that we haven't done on Snicktoons before. So yeah, I definitely got a lot of stuff in the works. Still working on an April theme. Don't know if we're going to have one. There are a couple of things that I want to discuss on regular Talking Snicked on our Wednesday releases. Probably not a full month theme, probably just a couple of one-off episodes that uh, I think it's time that we finally got to those. And then we'll see where it goes from there. So I'm open to suggestions. I am definitely open to taking requests for topics and uh, anything like that. If there's any particular Wolverine stories that you all uh, want me to cover that I have not yet covered, let me know because there is tons of Wolverine out there. And I know that everything I've covered regarding Wolverine is just the tip of the iceberg. So uh, I'm definitely open to, to requests and suggestions. That being said, if you want to reach out, you can send an email to me at talksnicked at gmail.com, T-A-L-K-S-N-I-K-T at gmail.com. Uh, if you listen on Spotify, then check out the episode, like the episode page, I guess, um, for like a little q and I've thrown some questions on there and, and yeah, I'd love to, uh, to get some answers and stuff back and, and see what you all think about some stuff. And then uh, if you're looking for something a little bit more interactive, a little bit more, maybe not necessarily one-on-one or, or FaceTime, but if you're looking to join maybe like a small community, then check out the show notes. There should be a link to join the Talkin' Snick Discord. It'd be great to have you on there. We've got you know, maybe 15 people in there. It's growing. We've added a few new people over the last few weeks, so pretty excited about that. But if if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, check it, uh, check it out. We post all kinds of stuff over there, mostly pictures of things that we buy that are, that are X-Men related. Um, or just a couple other things, you know, uh, any other collectibles or, or comics or just anything that we like. Share some YouTube videos where they're talking X-Men or whatever. Uh, we've got a lot of that going on on the Discord. And like I said, there's not a whole lot of people, so it's not like this massive thing that's going to take up all of your time. Uh, but definitely a place to come spend a little bit of time if you're a fan of Wolverine, the X-Men, talking Snick, Snicktoons, any of that stuff. Uh, so... There should be one more episode of Talkin' GC coming out next Wednesday, and that should end the month of March. But like I said, look for Snicktoons all throughout April and May. Until next time, bub.